Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is July the 9th, 2021, and the uh, hits just keep on coming. I thank you so much for joining me, so much to discuss. Uh, I know that last week um, we were uh, supposed to do a program. We had technical glitches. Um, You know, back when I was an immigration agent, I hung a sign on my wall, and it said simply, to err is human, but to really screw up, you need a computer. So that was last week, but this is this week. Happy to join you. Glad you're here also. <clears throat> there was an article that I had planned to talk about last week. We'll talk about it this week, and I've added yet another article. Both articles deal with terrorism, with Iran, with the Biden administration. It's an absolute disaster on so many levels. But let's get started with last week's article Iranian goal of death to America, aided and abetted by radical Democrats. <clears throat> Pardon me. In the subtitle, Biden's immigration policies fulfill the wishes of the 9-11 terrorists. But frankly, it's more than just the 9-11 terrorists that we're dealing with, because what we're also looking at is um, how Iran has established a goal, as have other enemies of America, to turn Americans against each other. Abraham Lincoln wisely um, stated, observed, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Americans have become so polarized, uh, we're at each other's throats. And this whole notion of white versus black, you would have thought that after the passage of civil rights laws, after so many changes that had been made in America, that the mistake, the atrocities, if you will, of the past have been addressed. Uh, Nothing is a completed process. The Founding Fathers talked about the need to make a more perfect union. Well, it's an ongoing process, just as the quest for knowledge is ongoing. I laugh when people say, follow the science, as though science is static. We're there. We know the science. This is how it works. Case closed. Well, it doesn't work that way. And I assure you, that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 100 years from now, scientists, engineers, physicists, chemists, biologists will look back now and say, well, they got some stuff right, but boy, did they get lots of stuff wrong. Think about this. When the Hubble Space Telescope was launched, we did not know so many of the things about the universe that Hubble taught us. Hubble was a transformational instrument. It gave us a a parallel view of the universe. 
it raised all kinds of issues because we learned so much more. And as you learn more, you know that what you thought you knew was wrong, and you start to ask new questions and devise new theories and figure out new experiments to try to verify what the new theories are. And this is a continuing process. Uh, when the James Webb telescope is orbited, we'll find out more. When more telescopes come on the line, we will discover more things. When there's more nuclear technology, more um, colliders and so forth, all of these will transform our understanding of the universe, of medicine, of everything. So when you have politicians saying, follow the science, you're either with us or you're against us, that's crazy. You know, I've made the point that if God forbid we're given a serious diagnosis, the first thing you want to do is get a second or maybe a third opinion. I was diagnosed with cancer 20 years ago. The first thing my doctor said is, find another doctor, get a second opinion. Well, thankfully, that first doctor not only got it right but did the surgery. I had prostate cancer, so for you guys out there, keep up with your PSA test. That's the only reason I'm here now. I had a very aggressive form of cancer, but we caught it just as it was beginning. Had we not done that, I wouldn't be here now. But what we now have are Americans divided in half, the conservative versus the so-called liberals. The liberals aren't liberal. They're totalitarians. They're fascists. They want to shut down debate. It's our way or the highway. Don't you dare challenge us. Don't you dare question us. We learn through questions, and we keep people accountable by questioning their authority, by questioning their decisions. Tyrants will tell you, don't you dare challenge me. Don't you dare question me. I can't ever be wrong, and even if I am, you better not acknowledge it. I plan to write a piece about this, but in, in, in researching uh, this whole idea about the big lie, the tactics of the Third Reich, the Nazis, you will find out from what I've discovered that what the Democrat radicals are doing now is to take pages out of, guess which book? Mein Kampf, Hitler's book. It's incredible. This is a tactic of intimidation and misinformation, and leading the charge is Iran. Iran. And so I read an article in Time magazine, which was the predication for my article about the Iranian goal of death to America aided and abetted by the radical Democrats. And Time Magazine, if ever there was a mainstream publication, Time Magazine and Newsweek Magazine, they are it. They epitomize the mainstream media. But lately, even they can't ignore what is apparent, what is the obvious. I wonder how soon it will be before they're canceled. <clears throat> but Time Magazine on June 7th, just about a month ago, published an article. And here's the title, exclusive, Iran steps up efforts to sow discord inside the United States. Time magazine reporting on Iran's activities inside our country to do what? But pit American against Americans. Critical race theory. If you're white, you're an oppressor. Uh, let me ask you something, folks. If you're white, who are you oppressing? Are you responsible for slavery? Were you responsible for segregation? Was your family even here during that dark era of American history when slavery was business as usual? And by the way, slavery wasn't just something that happened in America. It happened around the world. America was the country that ended slavery around the world. But let's forget that minor footnote to history. That's why the study of history is so damn important. 
But let me just read to you a, a little uh, excerpt from that Time Magazine article. And if you go to Front Page Magazine, and I hope you will after you listen to my program, please read my article. And what I really want you to do, here's your real homework assignment. When I provide you with links in my article, they're not just there because I wanted to make it look better. They're there because I believe the links will provide you with additional important information you have to have. That's why I do it. It's the equivalent of a footnote, to verify what I'm telling you and to give you extra information. Because, frankly, I'm generally limited to about 1,200, 1,300 words. <clears throat> That's what my editor prefers. Sometimes they, they look the other way and they let me sneak in 1,600 words. But sometimes the materials and the issues are so complex and so diverse that you need double and triple that, but I'm not going to publish that in the article, but by giving you the link, you have all that extra material that I really want you to take the time to read. <clears throat> this isn't about reading a headline and saying, I know all I need to know. We have two big problems or three big problems in America today. Number one, the mainstream media has been lying through their teeth and falling down on the job, not reporting the news, tilting what they write in ways that um, resemble a pretzel. The other part of it is you have lazy Americans who will only read a headline and say, well, that's it. I know all I need to know. I've had people read my article, supposedly, in front page, for example, and then I see the comments, and the comments tell me that the person didn't get past the headline, maybe the first paragraph. You know, I'll write an article that says we need much more than a wall on the border, and there's discussions about how tall the wall should be and whether there should be electricity running through it, and if so, AC, DC, or how much power. But the point to my article was we need to go well beyond the border wall. The border wall is essential, don't get me wrong, but it's only one element of what we need for secure borders because, number one, we're a country of 50 border states, and aliens can enter the country by stowing away on ships, <clears throat> taking a small ship from a large ship that's outside uh, you know, uh, our, our boundaries and... and you know, landing on, on, on shore, not even near a seaport, or, or landing at an international airport, or, or coming through the Canadian border. You know, it, it's really funny, but uh, they, they did this whole thing, what if by land, two if by sea, about the, the, the ride of Paul Revere, you know? How, how many Latins are going to hang in the old North Church? Well, what if by land, two if by sea, three Latins had it covered. There are so many ways for people to gain access to the United States today that if you were going to use lanterns to signal how they were coming, you'd have to buy out all the lanterns in the local Home Depot or Lowe's or hardware store, and you might well set fire to that old North Church because there's so many ways of coming here. Now, that's not to say that the Mexican border isn't critical. It is. It's a critical element, but there's so many other aspects. And the biggest issue, and I keep talking about it, and I'll mention it in passing, is interior enforcement. <coughs> Pardon me. For decades, for decades, and I believe this is by design, the U.S. government has failed to enforce the immigration laws from within the interior of the United States. And this, of course, has been greatly exacerbated by sanctuary cities. Because one way or the other, by hook or by crook, literally, the aliens that want to come here to work illegally because they're fugitives, because they're terrorists, because they're drug dealers, they have to get to the interior. They will come by any means possible, by any, from any place possible, and they will make their way to, to wherever it is they want to go. But once they get past the border, weak as the borders are, there's nothing within the interior of the United States. These are failures by design. That's why I call this the immigration delivery system. So understand just how complex this issue is. 
that how we've been lied to for decades by globalists who've taken control of our government through uh, bribes known as campaign contributions, and both political parties are all in until Donald Trump came along, which is why he was so hated by the political elite, because they knew he was telling the truth, and they weren't. And they weren't. After 9-11, there were Republicans in the House of Representatives who called upon me repeatedly to testify before their committees and subcommittees because they were outraged over what George W. Bush did. He violated the Homeland Security Act when he created DHS. Immigration was supposed to be a solitary entity the way it had been previously. What we had recommended, and I was working with members of Congress in the background unofficially, uh, you know, behind closed doors, so to speak, so that we would spin off the benefits program, the adjudicators, and so that we would make a seamless enforcement program coordinating the inspectors who enforce the laws at ports of entry, the Border Patrol, they enforce the laws between ports of entry, <clears throat> but then bring into that fold significant interior enforcement. Because interior enforcement isn't only about arresting illegal aliens, important as that is, and that's something not being done now by the Biden administration at all, virtually. Before an immigration agent, an ICE agent, can arrest an illegal alien, it's not even enough to have a warrant for that alien's arrest and deportation. That's not enough. The alien has to have a rap sheet with convictions for serious crimes and a whole bunch of them. <clears throat> and the warning to the agents is if you arrest someone you shouldn't arrest, you are in for a world of hurt. Maybe lose your job. Don't you dare think of enforcing the laws you took an oath to enforce. It's one thing for the president to use prosecutorial discretion to marshal limited resources. That makes sense. But there is nothing in the Constitution of the United States of America that tells the President of the United States, you don't like the law, order your people to not only not enforce the law, but give people benefits who shouldn't even be here. It's a violation of law. You have Border Patrol agents acting as human traffickers, ladies and gentlemen. Think about that. Instead of arresting aliens who make their way illegally into the country and then heading for bus terminals, train stations, and airports, the Border Patrol is taking the illegal aliens and bringing them to those places of transportation and dispersing them all over the United States of America. It's called human trafficking. This has never before happened. And the 9-11 Commission said border security is national security. It's outrageous. But now you add to this Iran acting to divide Americans by going online and pretending that they are Proud Boys or some other conservative group and threatening violence against those they oppose. And people bought into it. Now, let me read this to you. It's incredible. This is Time magazine. I keep reiterating it. Finally, the mainstream media had a report on this. It's so glaring and so obvious. Here's how that article began. The article, again, exclusive, Iran steps up efforts to sow discord inside the United States. Here's how it begins. Iranian state actors are intensifying their disinformation campaign on social media to spread discord and anti-Semitic tropes inside the United States, two intelligence officials say. Social media accounts track to, uh, to troll farms run by the Iranian government that have ramped up disinformation after several major events this year, including Biden's effort to return to the United, return the United States to the Iran nuclear deal, 
the April 14th announcement of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, the guilty verdict of Derek Chauvin on April 20th, and the 11-day war between Israel and Hamas that started on May the 10th. Quote, it's a significant level of activity, one official tells time. It's active enough that we are tracking it. The officials did not offer details on the specific uh, disinformation activities after the events. The Time News report also acknowledged that Iran sought to interfere with the 2020 U.S. president elections to hurt President Trump's bid for second term. For all the talk that we heard about Russian collusion to defeat Hillary to put Trump in office, have you even seen any reports? Well, Time magazine is reporting that Iran sought to interfere with the 2020 U.S. presidential election to hurt President Trump's bid for second term. Here's the quote. The new spike in online provocations follows months of intense activity by Iran during the 2020 presidential campaign when Iran, when Tehran spread messages aimed at amplifying existing social divisions within the United States and hurting former President Donald Trump's chances of winning re-election, according to U.S. intelligence analysts. While Russia's efforts to interfere in 2016 and 2020 elections and undermine trust in the American democracy have been well-documented, less publicly known about Iran's increasing online influence of operations inside the United States. Quote, Russia wrote the playbook, but others are using it, says the U.S. intelligence official who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe the internal analysis. The Times News report also reported that last year Iran was behind efforts to intimidate Democrat voters in the weeks before the election by sending threatening email messages from accounts posing as the violent pro-Trump groups uh, the Proud Boys, U.S. officials, have found. The same network of Iranian operatives created and distributed a video with fake allegations about voter fraud. Think about that. And then you look at uh, an article that was published by CNN on June 13th of this year. Here's the report. Pelosi says House leadership did not rebuke Omar over comments about the United States and Israel, Hamas, and Taliban. If you remember... Omar equated the United States and Israel with the Taliban and Hamas. And what did Pelosi say? We asked her for clarification, and she clarified her position, and she's a valuable member of the Democratic caucus. Yes, she clarified her position. In her view, America is an enemy. Think about that. And Pelosi stands with Omar, the Democrat leadership stands with anti-American, anti-Israeli members of Congress? Outrageous. And that falls lockstep in line with what Iran wants to see happen. Americans fighting Americans so they can waltz in and do whatever the hell they want, including the Iran deal that Biden still pursues. And it was amazing that Joe Biden claims that he met with Putin or had a conversation with Putin that said, we reserve the right to defend America. I got to tell you, I was so impressed, I wept. America reserves the right to defend its own people? That's a statement of strength? We reserve the right to defend ourselves. Are you kidding me? The commander-in-chief of the superpower United States of America has a jackass, unfortunately, for a president. I don't know any other way of saying this. We reserve the right. How about if you dare do it again, you're going to face one hell of a repercussion. You'll wish you never tried that stunt on us. And what are we going to do? Try it and find out. Always 
I ready for you? What am I going to do to you? That's for me to know and you to find out. And when you find out, you will be brought to your knees. That's leadership. We reserve the right to protect ourselves. Really? I am sure that Putin is shaking in his boots at this very moment. We reserve the right to defend. America has a prerogative, has an imperative. It must defend itself. Not we reserve the right. No, we will practice that right, and you will pay the price if you interfere with us and threaten our, our people, our businesses, our Internet, our critical infrastructure. We have the resources, and you're about to find out just how good we are. You want to mess with us? Go ahead and do it. Make my day, right? Wasn't that the Clintus would like? Make my day. Could you imagine Joe Biden playing Dirty Harry? We reserve the right to do something if you rob the bank. Don't shoot me because we have the right to do something. I'm not sure what I'm going to do because I'm confused, but we're going to do something. Clint Eastwood stands there, you know, with that steel glare. Make my day. In other words, you do it, and boy, you're going to pay the price. What's Joe Biden's price? I may not talk to you ever again. I'm not inviting you to the Oval Office for tea and crumpet. Oh, that's England's thing. I'm so confused. That seems to be who Joe Biden is, leader of the free world. God help all of us. We reserve the right. We reserve the right as Americans to vote these jackasses out of office. And full disclosure, I don't like I'm just a Democrat. This is not what Democrats are supposed to stand for or sound like. No American leader is supposed to sound like that. But here we are. Here we are. So we have Iran doing all the chicanery in the background. If I sound worked up, I am, and for good reason. And if you understand the issues, I'm sure you're at least as worked up as I am. As I told Jim Sensenbrenner when he was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, I said, Mr. Chairman, if I can't sleep at night, sure as hell, I don't want you sleeping at night either. And it was funny. He said to me, Mr. Cutler, are we talking about national security? And knowing that humor tends to get people's attention, I said, well, Mr. Chairman, I'm sure as hell not going to discuss my sex life with you. And it worked. He paid attention. The issue at the time during that conversation was George W. Bush's guest worker amnesty program. And I explained to the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee in detail how a massive amnesty program could well provide terrorists and fugitives the opportunity to get lawful sex fake names and carry traditional tax in the United States. And within 10 days, Jim Sensenbrenner, willing to listen to me, withdrew his support to the guest worker program. And in fact, went on offense and signed that bill into law, that he would rather let them vote on that bill so that he could sign it into law. Let me get the constitutional process straight. So now we come to my article that just got published a couple days ago. Front page magazine, again, is the title. Biden ends war on radical Islamist terrorists over here and over there. And the subtitle, Too Bad the Terrorists Aren't Calling It Quits. And here we go. On uh, July the 2nd, 2021, CNN reported, and here's the title, all U.S. forces have left Bagram Air Base as the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan nears completion. And here's how that report began. CNN, the last troops have left Bagram Air Base, according to a U.S. defense official, marking the end of the American presence at the sprawling compound 
that became the center of military power in Afghanistan. The full withdrawal of U.S. troops from the country is expected, uh, is not completed, but expected very soon. Nearly two decades after the first American troops arrived at Bagram and helped to take control of the field after the 9-11 attacks, the transfer of the field to the Afghan military proceeded without fanfare, a hushed finale that portends the imminent conclusion of America's longest war. It's beyond belief. It's beyond belief. The CNN report went on to state the following. Bagram was officially handed over to the Afghan military on Friday. Rahala Abadazi, spokesman for the Afghan Ministry of the Defense, told CNN. But the withdrawal from Bagram, devoid of any pomp and ceremony, is a symbolic victory for the Taliban, who have waged a relentless cross-country battle against the Afghan military, pushing back government forces and overrunning a growing number of districts. Think about that. We left so quickly, and the Taliban moved in right behind our troops so quickly that if our troops slowed down, they'd get rear-ended by the Taliban. That's going on right now. Within the last 24 hours, leaders of the Taliban have announced that they are now in control of the vast majority of Afghan territory. The government of Afghanistan disagrees. Um, You figure out who you want to believe. But what is so important about Bagram is that it was a self-contained base that we needed to use as a staging area if we had additional problems with ISIS, um, with al-Qaeda, other terrorist groups, because that was the reason for sending our troops there, not just to hunt down bin Laden and his henchmen, but to deprive the terrorist organizations with territory that they could use for training purposes and as a staging area to carry out worldwide terror attacks. Now, maybe we shouldn't have gone into Afghanistan in the first place. An awful lot of American blood has been spilled there, along with the blood of some of our allies. There's arguments about that to be made. But the point is, we were there. And the point is that we have thousands of translators who now need visas to get out of Dodge before they get killed. And we better do a good screening process, by the way, because we've had some translators who turned out to be double agents. They claimed to be working on our side, but they were really providing disinformation to our troops and our intelligence officials while helping the other side. So we've got to be careful how we screen them, but certainly we need to move out those people that truly helped us um, because it's, it's, it's a moral and proper thing to do. And if we're going to be selfish, if we don't help them, who the hell is ever going to help America in the future? People need to know that if they stand with us, we have their back. It just seems like when Biden has anyone's back, be careful that you don't find the blade sticking out between your shoulder blades. So we have this big mess with Afghanistan. Now, here's the point that I want you to remember. Uh, I hope you all recall this, but right after our troops went into the Middle East, went into Afghanistan, went into Iraq, what were we hearing from both George W. Bush and his successor, Barack Obama? What did they say? We're fighting them over there so we don't have to fight them over here. Do you folks remember that? I thought it was the most, one of the most ridiculous things I'd ever heard. We're fighting them, getting the terrorists over there, so we don't have to fight them over here. Uh, guess what? This is at least a two-front battle. Of course they were fighting them over there to take out their training facilities, looking for bin Laden, looking for those henchmen, etc. But we're not fighting them over here. Then what was the whole point to the Patriot Act? How is it that we had subsequent terror attacks carried out where? Over there? No, over here. 
the Boston Marathon, the attempted bombing at, at, at Times Square, the attack in San Bernardino. The list goes on and on and on. Of course, the battle is being won over here and fought over here. So that was a big lie, but that's because George W. Bush is a globalist. In fact, he did everything he could to obstruct immigration law enforcement, even after 9-11. The 9-11 Commission was very clear that 9-11 and other attacks similar to 9-11 were only possible, only possible. I underscore that because of multiple failures of the immigration system. And George W. Bush comes along and says, well, we, we can't do that. So he expanded the visa waiver program that should have ended. Obama did it again. <clears throat> and I hate to tell you, Donald Trump added a country to the list of visa waiver countries, making Poland number 39. But we only had 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11. There should be zero. If you can prevent Americans from getting on board airplanes in their own country because they're on a no-fly list, please don't tell me that it's inappropriate to require that aliens coming to America first apply for and receive a visa. You think that that might make sense? Goodness gracious. So we're fighting them over there, so we don't have to fight them over here. Well, guess what? Under Biden, we're not fighting them over there anymore. How do we know? Well, we're out of there. We're out of there. So we're not fighting them over there. Has anyone sounded the all clear? I didn't hear that whistle go off. Have any of you folks heard that whistle, the all clear? Of course, the Biden administration is more concerned with radical white people, right, the white supremacists. People with white privilege, it enrages me. These are statements of race. These are statements of racism. Martin Luther King dreamed of an America, dreamed of a world where people would ignore superficial issues like skin color. One of the jokes I always like to tell people is I am colorblind. I am significantly colorblind. And the joke I have is that probably Martin Luther King would have been happy that I was colorblind because he certainly was. How in the world do you hold people accountable for those things they have no control over? I hate you. Why do you hate me? You have blue eyes. How dare you? Or I, I hate you. Why? You have curly hair. Or you have straight hair. Or you're bald. And I hate bald people. How can you hate somebody for physical attributes that they have zero control? How can I make myself a better person? Uh, if you don't like people with blue eyes and I have blue eyes, what am I supposed to do? Take my eyes out? No, you can't do anything. You're, you, you can't be fixed. You're, you're, you're done. That's a scary thought. That's how the Holocaust started. The final solution to the Jews was to exterminate the Jews. My family was among the six million who lost their lives. I was named for my grandmother who couldn't get out of Poland because she was a terrible person because she was Jewish. Now, if you're white, you're a terrible person. And if that doesn't sound a chill down your spine, wow. It infuriates me. I'm greatly concerned about the future of our country and our children, our grandchildren. This is taking us in a very dark, dangerous direction. The notion that whites are oppressors and the blacks are the oppressed so that the blacks can't operate because they don't have the ability to take care of themselves is that the takeaway? And they should always look at the whites as their enemy because the whites are the oppressors. Really. Really. And there are people buying into this sick notion. And what's remarkable is by not teaching history, kids have no idea. 
I remember when Jay Leno did the Tonight Show, and he used to do a segment called Jaywalking. I don't know if you folks remember it. It's something similar to what Waters did on uh, on, on Fox News when he was working with O'Reilly before he became, you know, uh, an anchor in his own right, the host of his own program. And he still does it occasionally. He calls it Waters World. He goes on to college campuses or wherever he goes, and he asks people questions. And what was startling, and people thought it was kind of funny, and they said, oh, those idiots in college, ha-ha. Well, it's not a ha-ha. I remember students on, uh, at universities, well-respected universities. I believe Columbia was one of them. Who were the Americans fighting in the Second World War? Pretty fundamental question. Who did the Americans fight in the Second World War? And you had kids at Ivy League schools asking, with, you know, it was kind of like with a question, was it Germany or was it England? And there were people saying that they thought America during the Second World War was fighting England, the United Kingdom, our ally. It's not funny. It's not funny. Because when these kids are running around, we're the anti-fascists. You want me to tell you who the real anti-fascists are and were? And this is what I was going to talk about last week, but for the computer glitch. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why computers don't come with hammers, you know. In case of emergency, break hammer, then you just smash the damn thing. I remember one day it came to work and we were sharing computers when we first went to computers at the immigration service. And I came in on a Saturday to write some reports. I figured it would be quiet and I could, you know, catch up on a backlog of paperwork. And I sat down at a shared computer that I shared with a half dozen other agents and the keys were all out of order. Apparently someone karate chopped the keyboard out of frustration and then just reattached them in, in, in random. It was pretty funny, except I'm able to touch type, so it didn't really impede me, but it was one of those funny stories. But so, so, so here we're telling people, okay, you think that we were fighting the, the, the Brits, and you have kids on campus saying they're the anti-fascists because they have no idea what fascism really is or who fought them. They think they're fighting fascists. They're fighting people that may have the different political viewpoints. But they're not fighting fascists. The real Antifa, if you want to call it that, and I hate that term, but the real counter-fascism force was the United States military and our allies. And I really believe that every kid in school today, and this should have been going on for decades, and I, and I always wanted to know more about more recent history than what happened in colonial times or, or when the pilgrims came. God, I can't tell you how many times I'd get into a history class in junior high and high school, and we started back in Plymouth Rock. Gee whiz, come on, folks, can't we talk about something more recent, something we can relate to a little better? Every kid in college, every kid in high school, every kid in junior high school, every kid in public school should have to watch some newsreel footage, perhaps censored depending on how young the kids are, because it was brutal, of the landing at Normandy on D-Day. Those young soldiers floating in the water, dead, badly wounded, missing limbs. Many of them were teenagers. American planes shot down out of the skies over Japan and shot down over Europe. Talk about the tank battles, the Battle of the Bulge, all those dead people. Show the images of the Holocaust, tough as they are to look at, so that people understand who the hell we were fighting and what America stands for. 
when you have people graduating from some of the best universities in our country scratching their butts and saying, were we fighting England in the Second World War? I don't know who. It was some kind of a war. Do you think these people are equipped to go through life and be successful? School is supposed to be boot camp. It's supposed to prepare you for a successful, productive, and hopefully happy life. How successful can you be if you have no flipping idea who the hell America fought in the Second World War, where you think that you're being an anti-fascist by shutting down discussion on a college campus? And there were times when they did these polls on campuses. Do you think we should get rid of the First Amendment? It was chilling. Hands went up. Yes, get rid of that damn thing. Get rid of freedom of speech? With no freedom of speech, there's no freedom of thought. Without freedom of speech and freedom of thought, you have no freedom as a human being. There's a great song that Sinatra sang. Other other singers uh, sang the same song, but I just love the way he belted it out. The home I live in, or the house I live in, perhaps. It was about what is America to me. And there was a whole bunch of things. It's more than houses and trees. It's, it's about its people, right? But the right to speak your mind out, he's saying, that's America to me. And you have these idiots on campus who think they're educated saying, yeah, let's get rid of the First Amendment. So who's going to decide who the arbiters of truth are? Well, I guess it's Silicon Valley and Zuckerberg and it's all these others, Facebook and Google and um, <laughs> all these other forms of what they call social media that act as the filter where they decide what you get to hear and what you get to say. How free are we now? How dangerous is this? I did a little bit of research about this whole notion of the big lie, which we attribute, of course, and accurately attribute to the Third Reich, to the Nazi regime, and everyone talks about Goebbels. But you will see when I write my article, I'm working on it, that what we're witnessing from the radical left right now are basically pages torn directly out of mine come. Now, that's not my supposition. That was an assessment that was made by the OSS. Those of you not familiar with the intelligence services, familiar with the Second World War, and if that's the case, you disappoint me greatly. Please start reading. Educate yourself so you can have intelligent conversations with your neighbors, your friends, your family your children, grandchildren perhaps. You can't say to your kids, ah, you're wrong. Well, why am I wrong? You're just wrong. That's not going to persuade anybody. In fact, you're going to piss a lot of people off. You need to be able to sit down and have a calm, fact-based, reason and logic-based discussion. Think about that. But if you, if you remember, the OSS was the predecessor to the CIA. Donovan ran it. These were the guys who went out there and did espionage and commando missions on behalf of the United States overseas to attack the Third Reich. Okay? And they did an assessment of Mein Kampf, and they talked all about the big lie, how Hitler would find an enemy and focus on that enemy and not let up. He would be relentlessly attacking, 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 never acknowledging that the enemy could ever have been right, never acknowledging that anything the enemy ever did was right. They're 101% wrong 101% of the time, and there's nothing socially redeeming about them. Sounds like the Jews. Today it sounds like perhaps white people. I'm sorry to draw that parallel, 
But I don't know where else my logic can take us. They're not saying that people who have a certain belief are, are wrong. We can deal with that. But when you talk about white privilege and the whites are the oppressors, this becomes more than holding individuals accountable for their actions as individuals, but it's about lumping them all together and saying these are bad people. Why are they bad? Because, you know, think about what I'm saying to you. Think about what I'm saying to you. And then we're going to flood America and ignore the findings of the 9-11 Commission, destroy the middle class, destroy wages, destroy the economy. Biden keeps saying, well, we need to legalize the 11 million. First of all, it's, according to Yale University, it's probably at least double that, probably more. I think it's well more than double that. But here's the, the idiotic part of this, and no one talks about it. If you legalize, let's say, 25 million, and they have on average four minor children each living back home, they will have the right to bring them here immediately. I've spoken about it before, but I, I will keep reiterating it so it sinks in. How would America cope? with an influx of 100 million minor aliens. They would have to be educated. They need food and water and sewerage and electricity, health care, transportation. We would implode. It's not workable. It's not workable. And I do believe that that's the purpose. I wrote an article for Front Page where I basically said that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. And people, I just had an argument with, with a good friend, and we should have these discussions. Capitalists are the heroes. We really have capitalism today. The reason capitalism works is because there's only two ways. I want you to think about this. There's only two ways that you can persuade people to do what you want them to do. Just like if you're training a puppy, any of you who have dogs or horses or whatever, there's only two ways to train an animal. There's only two ways to get people to do what you want, to motivate people. It's the carrot or the stick. It's very simple. Either you do what I tell you or I'm going to beat the crap out of you, or if you do what I want you to do, I will reward you, right? You say to your son or your daughter, if you can come home and get at least a 90 on that next science test, I'll take you to your favorite restaurant and we'll have a great dinner and we'll celebrate. That's the carrot. Or if you don't get a 90, I'm going to lock you in your room and I'm not letting you out of the house, and I'm stopping your allowance, and you're not going to be able to use your cell phone. I'm taking it away from you. That's the stick. Would you rather live under a carrot or under a stick? Most people would rather go to a party and celebrate their success than get beat over the head for failing. Well, in capitalism, there's supposed to be a carrot. You do well, you make more money, you buy a nice car, you live in a bigger house, you go to better restaurants, uh, and you have great vacations. You worked hard. You've earned more money. There you go. Under communism, everyone gets according to his needs and so forth. Well, it sounds romantic and fair. Oh, it's so wonderful. Except one problem. If you're going to motivate people, they've got to find a reason to do what you're telling them to do. I, I taught my dog how to do certain things. And she's a very smart dog. We have a little mini Labradoodle. And we call her our furry daughter. She just turned a year old, and we're absolutely nuts about her. And we trained her by, by positive stuff. You know, she was never spanked. She was never yelled at. When she did what we wanted her to do, we gave her a reward. When we got her to be paper trained, it was really funny. She'd run over to the wee-wee pad, and then she would 
relieve herself, and she'd look up at us while she was doing business, and she'd run over to us with her tongue hanging out and jump on us. Why? Because she knew she did what she was supposed to do, where she was supposed to do it, and now she wanted to get paid for what she did. And we paid her. We gave her her treats, and she was very happy. And after a while, you know, it became routine. That's what she did. We did the same thing with other things we wanted her to do. We rewarded good behavior. But under communism, you can't reward good behavior because everyone gets the same thing. So you use fear and terror. And Joseph Stalin, if people learned about Stalin, they should be, but they're not in school. He caused the death of tens of millions of Russians that he sent off to Siberia and elsewhere. The carrot or the stick. You want to go to Siberia? Sign up here for communism. See how that works out for you. But the problem is our capitalist system today isn't really working properly. And why isn't it? It's because of the super wealthy who've gained control of the system by buying the politicians. So there is no competition. See, the reason capitalism is effective also is because it promotes competition. Competition leads to advancement. If you have to compete with another company that makes a better product, then you better start to do better than they are or people aren't going to buy what you're selling anymore. Isn't that the case? You've got to go look for a television. So which one has the better picture? Which one has better speakers? You know, we go down the list of features. Then you look at the price. Oh, this one only costs a little bit more, but look at all these great features that this other one doesn't have. We've seen this. I mean, with a car. Does it have cruise control? Does it have this? Does it have... So you look at all the, well, that's a better car. I'm going to buy the better car. So now the, the company that's losing sales to a competitor says, I better do a better job of making a better car so people will come back and buy my product. That's how capitalism is supposed to work. That's why there's antitrust laws on the books, so that you don't have price fixing, so that you don't have companies colluding with one another. But they collude all the time. Look at Silicon Valley and what they're doing. Look at all the crazy stuff that's going on. They're making it all but impossible. And you have the big box stores that are putting all the small mom-and-pop stores out of business. We used to have a ton of bakeries in my neighborhood. I loved the bakeries. I'd get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and walk my dog, and the bread would be – we had within four blocks – within three blocks of my house, four bakeries when I was a kid. And I have to tell you, I, mean, I don't know if you're the same as I am, but one of the best smells in the world, besides coffee brewing, and, and I, I worked at an office where we had a, a coffee place down the block. They actually roasted the coffee and ground the coffee. They sold coffee there. Wow, that, that aroma, to me at least, was intoxicating. And the other aroma is baked bread. You go, I remember going to Tasty Bread Factory when I was a kid, and they were baking the bread. The smell of baking bread is heavenly, Right. And I'd walk my dog, and all these bakeries would be up and running, and you'd see the smoke in the air, and you could smell that baking bread and the cakes. Oh, my goodness gracious. By the time I got home, I was drooling, you know. Those bakeries are gone. Why? Because you go to the big supermarkets or you go to the big box stores, and they're selling the bread. They put most of those little bakeries out of business. We're doing it with everything. Clothing stores, out of business. You go to a department store. You go to the big box stores. It's increasingly difficult to start your own business and live your share of the American dream. 
And the executives of these major corporations do have a guarantee of outcome. I, I love my conservative friends who say, Mike, under capitalism, there's a guarantee not of outcome but opportunity. Really? How much opportunity do you have when we import more workers from overseas than the number of new jobs we're creating? Well, there goes opportunity out the damn window. And please don't tell me that there is no guarantee of outcome. I could prove to you, as I did on a conservative talk show not long ago, and the host was beside himself because he said, you've got to be kidding. You think there's a guarantee of outcome in our country? I said, yes. And I can prove it with two words. In case you're wondering what the two words are, golden parachute. How many corporate executives are hired with the understanding that if they screw the pooch and get fired, they're still going to go out the door with 20 30 $40 million? Tell me, please tell me that's not a guarantee of outcome. So we really don't have capitalism in America. We have an oligarchy. In fact, according to a report written about a decade ago um, by a Princeton economics professor, we've gone from republic to um, an oligarchy where the wealthy control the government, which is true. But we also now have corporate welfare. Corporations get pretty much whatever they want because they know they can go to the politicians that they have bought and say, hey, Charlie, I want you to vote for this bill so I can get X, Y, and Z. And the politician knows that if he or she doesn't deliver, they don't get the contribution. And without money, you can't win a campaign unless you're Donald Trump, which is, again, why people hated Donald Trump if they were in office. He was the guy that threatened the game they were playing. And if you look at how politicians operate, it's as sleazy as it gets, both parties. Both parties. I remember having a big argument with a member of Congress I had worked cooperatively with for 20 years, and I wouldn't support one bill because of one or two minor, well, I won't say minor, significant issues. The, the basic premise of mandatory E-Verify I agree with, but this bill would have allowed aliens to continue to show whatever documents they wanted, and it also blocked local governments from enforcing immigration laws like 287G. And I couldn't support it. And, and the chief counsel at the time said to me, Mike, if you endorse the bill and if we can get it through the Congress and get it to the president's desk, before it gets to his desk, we'll stick some amendments in there perhaps. I said, how do you do that? He said, well, if let's say they have to vote on it Friday morning at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., we will work all night. We will insert 48 pages of amendments. And then the member of Congress will only have 20 minutes or whatever it is to decide on whether or not to vote for the bill. And the bill itself is like 1,200 pages. And if we slide 43 extra pages into it with amendments that address the issues you're concerned with, odds are pretty good that they won't realize it and sign off on it. I said, so this is a big con game, isn't it? Oh, no, 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 no. That's how things are done in Washington. You know, if, if, if you suffer radiation exposure long enough, you become sickened by radiation, but maybe you don't realize you're glowing in the dark, perhaps. The system is corrupt. It's no longer designed to represent the best interests of America or Americans. It's designed to represent the best interests of the people with the fattest checkbooks. A long time ago, I wrote an article, and I called it, and I called it, um, governing under the influence governing under the influence is that not what we're witnessing in America today governing under the influence isn't that exactly the situation that we're facing today folks 
we have Americans in a box, and the very people that we elected to look out for us, to look out for our country, to look out for the future of our children and their children, aren't doing that, both parties, because they have to placate the people that write the checks that make their next election possible. What kind of representation do we really have in America? What kind of a practice of democracy is this? And I know that my conservative friends get nuts when I use the word democracy. They say, republic, republic. Yes, it's a republic, but it's a form of democracy. There's two different concepts here. But at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a government of the people. And it is. It's a government of the mega wealthy who are coercing the politicians. We all hate lobbyists, but in a very real sense, the politicians have become the employees of the lobbyists. So you have Joe Biden bowing down to the Chamber of Commerce and the American Immigration Lawyers Association, opening up the borders, leaving America vulnerable to terrorists and criminals, aliens with diseases. In fact, this is remarkable. Biden wants people to go door to door, bang on doors. Have you been inoculated? Have you been inoculated? We're going to give you another. Okay. And we've got to get a certain percentage of Americans vaccinated because there's a new, more virulent form of COVID. Okay. And at the same time, he's talking about ending Title 42, which under which provisions we keep people out of the country who have COVID and other dangerous diseases. So on the one hand, we want to make sure that we get as many people in America vaccinated while we're going to let more people in who not only aren't vaccinated, but maybe carrying the disease. It's insanity. It's absolute flipping insanity. Doesn't anyone see this? It's like saying it's the middle of winter. There's a blizzard. It's five below zero. The wind is blowing at 50 miles an hour and in your neighbor's house, and your neighbor says, holy smoke, what a storm. I'm cold. Let's open the windows. You're cold. Let's open the windows? Wait a minute, Charlie. Don't you think you should shut the windows and turn up the heat? No, 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 no. I know what I'm doing. Open the damn windows. I'm cold. You'd look at the guy and say, this guy needs psychiatric treatment. We need to fit him for a straitjacket. So here's Biden saying we've got to get people inoculated. We're going to go to every American's house, and we're going to bang on their door, and we're going to let in, God knows, millions more people who not only haven't been vaccinated but might be carriers of the disease. Folks, does this make any sense to you? Of course it doesn't. And why is it that it seems that a solution to the problem of immigration is going to be solved by taking an agency that's in, uh, able to deal with its workload now and have to deal with an onslaught of tens of millions of additional aliens. You know, before you fly an airplane, you pre-flight it. You walk around the airplane because you want to find out if the plane has any mechanical issues while it's on the ground, not when you're at 10,000 feet. A mechanical problem on the ground, if you're standing still, is no big deal. A mechanical problem at 10,000 feet can kill you and can kill lots of people on the ground. So you pre-flight the airplane. Well, we've pre-flighted the airplane. And every element of the immigration system is either missing or dysfunctional. So we're going to go take off in an airplane as pieces are falling off the wings of the airplane. Sensible. Even if you think an amnesty program is appropriate, and it's not, and we've gone over this forever, 
but the agency that would be responsible for administering the amnesty program is overwhelmed as it now stands. So what's the solution? Bury it completely with tens of millions of more people. And if you look at 9-11, just 19 hijackers killed more people on 9-11 than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. So this isn't simply, oh, well, they're going to make bad decisions and who cares. This is, they're liable to allow terrorists and fugitives and drug dealers to come to America and kill lots of people. We're liable to wind up with lots of people coming here who will do harm to us. That's how significant this all is, even as we approach the 20th anniversary of the terror attacks of 9-11. And that, by the way, because it's 20 years ago, means that we have an entire generation of new voters in America who were born after the terror attacks, or were so young at that time that they have no recollection of 9-11. God help us all, literally. I hope my program is thought-provoking. But I also hope I'm giving you an incentive, because if ever there was a time that you need to sit down with your neighbors, sit down with your children, have a logic-based, fact-based discussion, this is the time. Don't be condescending. Don't get in anyone's face. The facts speak for themselves. That's why Time Magazine, Newsweek Magazine are suddenly publishing articles that actually provide information about how bad the situation truly is. Facts are stubborn things, aren't they? Again, I thank you for joining me. Glad we could do it this week, even if I couldn't have done it last week because of those glitches. And I plan to do it once again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, everybody. And by the way, when you speak to your friends and neighbors, try to end your discussions with a question. Like, would you get on an airplane if you saw fellow passengers sneaking past TSA? Of course not. Why then are we supposed to live with people who snuck past that same sort of a vetting process at ports of entry? Questions are effective. Make sure you use those questions because, as I always like to remind you, democracy is not a spectator sport. See you next week, everybody. Have a great weekend. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Jumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.